to be salt and light. We're not called to just be lazy, be on fire for the Lord. Uh, We laud people in every area of life where they exert themselves and they're zealous, whether it's exercise or dieting or it's their career or school or sports or whatever. And yet when people say they they want to be zealous for the Lord or are on fire for the Lord or talk about spiritual things they do, we kind of downplay that and think, oh, well, you're getting a little too radical there or you're getting legalistic. How ridiculous. We, he, he called us to be a people who are zealous for good works. Friends, we are real here on the Living Waters podcast. I started out with probably the best opening in the history of the podcast. But you also followed it up with the worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I did. But... Uh, I'm going to just pick up where we left off. No no need in going back. But basically, I was saying I could never imagine Ray Comfort in a thousand years flying a kite. I just didn't think he had the patience for it. And I stand corrected. Ray, you were like a kite connoisseur. Oh, I used to make kites when no. I was a kid. Yeah, all the time. Just loved it because I lived opposite the beach, a lot of onshore winds. And yeah, we'd yeah. send kites up, send messages up the string. You'd put a piece of paper, write something on it. would go up and then you'd make kites with a short tail. So there were fighting kites that Look weave at over you. Over. You're like a kite. You just made me backslide. I'm going to make a kite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we were talking about those. Uh, you see them on the beach. They've got like two handles and they're, they're not I mean, messing these around. Things can, they could almost pick people up. Well, they're, I'd they're use so my mum's stockings for the tails. You'd tie stockings together for tails and stuff Look like that. Yeah. excited was Ray she is about flying she kites. Wake yes. up one morning, all her stockings <laughs> are missing. Them? Yeah, she was still in them. <laughs> she, she got kind of goody. <laughs> oh, man, I couldn't have been more wrong. Seriously, Ray, I, I could not imagine. I don't you, know if there was such a wording as more wrong. Either more wrong. wrong. I couldn't be more wrong. It's wronger. Yeah, you right. couldn't have been wronger. Wronger, yeah, that's the word. Wronger. Wronger. Wrongest. Couldn't have been wronger. I was down at the beach and I saw an elderly man with a kite and he was just going to town. That was Ray. Being able to do it. <laughs> and I was just perplexed and mesmerized and at the same time just enjoying everything that was out there. There's not a lot of people that were out there uh, just north of the pier about 200 yards or so. Yeah. It's just fun watching people who really know how to fly a kite, fly a kite. Yeah, Have no, you seen those kite surfers? So, what's that? The kite surfers? Kites, oh, That's yes. the one with the kite where it like oh, picks them up. Oh, they're in the up. water, right? Yeah. Like a board. They're like surfboards are like glued to their feet. Yeah, those out are there. cool. So, that's amazing. So I want to see how we're going to springboard off this into the second coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the new heavens and the new earth, right? We'll be doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, so here's, here's, here's the thing. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Flying kites for eternity. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Why is there that saying, go fly a kite? Yeah, I think this means <laughs> Right, you've heard that, go fly a kite. Yeah, no, when I hear it, I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, go break a leg. No, but it's funny, you know, I I've, I get these whims at times, like where you, I want to do stuff. There was a season where I was making paper airplanes. I got a book and me and the kids were really? making paper airplanes. Yeah. Remember, Ray, I got into miming once. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do that for an entire episode? Oh, man. Easy. Did you, did you ever hear that story? <laughs> no, well, Ray and I were – go ahead, Ray. Easy has got tremendous talents. Seriously, he's got like he can rap, he can sing, he can do this. And one of the things he could do, and I was Get so stuck in an invisible box. was he could mime. No. He did miming for the first time, and I was blown away. He did a, he did a man in a box. So he just showed me. And it's like he turned to the left, turned to the right, and then above him there was a man. It was so brilliantly done. So I was open here preaching. I said, easy, come up and do a man in a box because – you know what? Obviously, get a crowd because he's so talented. But I didn't realize his routine only lasted six seconds. <laughs> I didn't know how to get out of the box. <laughs> I was stuck in the box. 
<laughs> Ray was so excited. They're like, all right, AZ, do something else. I'm like, it's all I'm in the box. And then remember, Ray, you even got me, you know, giving me gloves, and then you got me this book, book on, on how, how to, to do it. Yeah, but it oh, never went anywhere because you couldn't get out of the box. You couldn't think out of the box. <laughs> I'd ask you to show me, but it wouldn't be entertaining for the listeners. Yeah, I've always been or told I have, I have a voice for mine. I've always been told. Mm-hmm. And a face for radio. Um, yeah, Ray. So I was the, arguing with this mute the other day. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was someone with a vow of silence. That's right. I was thinking about it. Yeah. How many Catholic nuns are there? N-O-N-E-S. Nuns. Yes. Yeah. Ray, uh, the second coming of Christ. Well, this that was a, a good springboard. Well done. Yeah. Well done good. <laughs> like my segues there? Yeah, guys, look, this is, boy, talk about uh, a landmine in a sense. Talk about an issue that has divided so many Christians. I don't so know about that. Yes. How dare you? I'm out of here. Uh, seriously, though, when you start getting into eschatology, you start getting into some some pretty dangerous waters when it comes to Christians dividing. And so today, friends, we're not going to get into the weeds <laughs> on eschatology this. meaning for our listener. Yeah. Just end just, time events. Yeah. The, 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 for our listeners slash Mark Spence. Eschatology. Eska with tology <laughs> patience. <laughs> yeah, it's dealing with with end time events. Before um, we get into the excitement of the so second coming, I just want to, yeah. if I could address what you're talking about. Apostle Paul says, Acts twenty eight twenty three. For so when that appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And so using the law brings the knowledge of sin. Using the prophets establishes the credibility of Scripture. It shows the fingerprint of God all over the Bible. So it's legitimate and exciting to use prophecy to establish the credibility of Scripture. Only God knows the future. But doing it reminded me of a cartoon once I saw of Mickey Mouse and his family going on a picnic. They sit down, all this food, along come the ants and just take everything away. Uh-huh. And that's exactly what it's like. I've tried to pull together stuff to reach the ungodly, and along come all the experts. And like ants, just say, no, no, you can't use that. I'm taking that away. And you ended up with like just a meager sandwich to yeah, try right. and convince the ungodly, which is disheartening. But we've been able to do it. We produced a book recently where I just spoke about, what is it? I forgot the title of it. Oh, no. You know, the one we gave away 250,000 <laughs> copies. What was it called? Uh, John? No. No. How to Live Forever? No. No, no. Wait, what? You do so many books, Yeah, Ray. but it was, we gave away 250,000 copies. You helped do it. We, we produced, you can't even remember the title of a book. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Remember. But anyway, it was on prophecy, and I remember I took away everything from prophecy that was controversial, and it was a two-page book. <laughs> it was like a joke. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Ray, how can you not remember your book? Well, I ask you to remember it. It's, it could be. Mark, what was it called? This is never I ending. No, idea. no, it's about the. Uh, oh, hang on. It's coming. No, it's gone. It no. was on the tip of my tongue, but I couldn't get it out of my mouth. Well, Mark will look it up. We'll, we'll get to it eventually. Counting the days. Counting the days. Of That's course. Right. Speaking of the coming of Christ, we're counting the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I remembered the name of my own book. <laughs> Yeah, so so yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the the second coming of Christ. It's within the realm of eschatology. Eschatology uh, deals with a whole lot more than that, of course, but uh, that is kind of at the heart of it. And there are different views from amillennialism to premillennialism to postmillennialism to those who would be preterists, um, you know, partial preterists. Today, we're not going to 
delve into that realm. Uh, full preterists believe, of course, that that Christ already returned. Um, Boy, and- I heard MacArthur rip into that. I don't think I've ever heard him get so upset by a, an interpretation other yeah. than speaking to the occults. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and maybe some of you listening to us are preterists. Uh, we love you nonetheless. And you have the right to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do want to tap into what you said earlier, though, in that it can be a very controversial controversial issue right. and it ought not to be. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, when we talk about eschatology, we are talking about an in-house debate, yeah. a, a theology amongst fellow believers in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if I can just say anything of an encouragement to to our listeners, it's not to to not explore these things, but rather explore them seasoned with grace. Amen. Yeah. Understanding that you you are going to have a brother on the other side of the line, perhaps, but they are a brother in the Lord. Yeah. Amen. I've tried to always keep the thought that I could be completely wrong in this interpretation. If everybody had that attitude, there wouldn't be the contention. Yeah. Commonwealth right. science. With uh, and even with that notion, there are there are people amongst our own ministry that have different views yeah. on their eschatology. Who's that? We all work here. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly Snitch. Mark Oscar Snitch. <laughs> yeah, I like how Martin Lloyd Jones put it. He said the great doctrine of the Second Advent has, in a sense, fallen into disrepute because of this tendency on the part of some to be more interested in the how and the when of the second coming rather than in the fact of the second coming. And that's really the heart of it. Absolutely. These are issues we need to study, we need to understand, and that we need to hold to firmly based on what we conclude. But don't miss the fact that Scripture is clear that Christ is returning. Yep, he's coming again, and that is uh, that is our great hope. And so here's a here's a, a. cool little thing I found online that kind of sums up what we're talking about in terms of the the second coming. It says, in his first coming, Jesus was a suffering servant. In the second coming, Jesus will be the conquering king. In his first coming, Jesus arrived in the most humble of circumstances. In the second coming, Jesus will arrive with the armies of heaven at his side. And that that really is the case. You know, he came first as the the lamb of God. He's coming again, again as a lion of the tribe of Judah. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, a $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. A.W. Pink, that very colorful character, said, The first time Christ came to slay sin and men, the second time he'll come to slay men and sin. Ooh. Mm. And that sounds pretty heavy, but you look at Thessalonians, he's coming in flaming fire. Yeah. Mm. Amen. You know, eschatology in times is often treated as like that weird uncle to theology. It's like the one that no one really wants to talk about. It's kind of weird. And it might even to some feel like not impactful to their daily living. 
you know, it's kind of like, oh, that's that's interesting theoretically, but it really doesn't impact the way I live my life. Yeah. Uh, and first, it's not, even though we can respectfully disagree, it's not meant to be the weird uncle of theology. Yeah. And two, it certainly does impact your daily living. Uh, the reality of the second coming of Christ should affect the way you view the world, the way that you go on mission and evangelism, the way you treat people, and how it affects your hope and suffering. To realize that you live in this space between his first and second coming, uh, and to realize like one of the things that we can universally agree on, all of the different views, is that in a sense we live in what is called, theologians call the here and the not yet of God's kingdom, meaning he came the first time to establish a kingdom, which it is present and here uh, within his church, but it's also not yet. It won't be fully established until his second coming, right? And uh, the difference between that, you know, I, I heard someone explain it like this recently. It's like living between election day and inauguration day, where election day, you know who the new president's gonna be. And everyone's preparing for him to become the new president. Yeah. And on inauguration day, that person becomes the president. The, the, the difference between the first and the second coming is exactly like that. He was elected, if you will, king of kings, lord of lords. His kingdom is coming. It is not yet. And we are waiting in anticipation for inauguration day. Hmm. That is the second coming of Christ. Well, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, and theologians sometimes will also call it the already and the not yet, yeah. you know, living in between that mark you were going to say i was just going to read matthew 16 27 it says for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he will reward each according to his works but just the thought right of jesus christ the son of man which obviously is a reference uh to jesus um, that he's going to come with his father and his angels mm. i mean every Every conversation stopped, every jaw dropped, every eye looking up, right? Everybody will stop what they're doing and they will come to attention. You think of here in the U.S. when a military leader enters into a room and they're a general of some sort. Everybody is just brought to attention. You stop what you're doing. It doesn't matter what it is and you come to attention. Well, there's the king of kings for you. He's going to come and he's going to draw all attention onto himself. Uh-huh. And what a day that's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Ray often says, there'll be no more death, disease, or dandruff. And d- <laughs> dentists. And dentists. And dentists. And dentists. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, you know, he, he's our portion and our inheritance and everything that we're going through, though we may not understand because we, we're kind of looking through a glass house dimly, you know, there, there will come that time where things make sense because he is our sense. He is our sanity. He is what makes it all worthwhile. And so many times people are, they're looking forward to this mansion with a driveway made out of gold. Mm-hmm. But in reality, Christ is our dwelling place. Amen. He is the one in whom we look forward to. And I remember talking to some Jehovah's Witnesses several years ago, 25 years ago, and they were mocking me as I talked about heaven. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? Just sing songs to them? <laughs> and I said, I understand how that can be boring to you because you don't know him. Wow. And he hasn't delivered you the way he's delivered me. 
But yes, I'm looking forward to singing songs to him where I no longer need faith because my faith has become sight and my sign has ultimately become my singing. Wow. But I don't need to wait for that day. And God's kingdom's coming to this earth and God's will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to inherit the earth mm. without the curse. What an incredible thing. We're talking about the coming of the Lord and it can be, it can give the impression the ungodly that's kind of like a sunrise. Jesus is coming. And, and mm. But scripture, where is it? Timothy, Peter, 2 Peter 3. You're probably going to quote it easy for sure. <laughs> the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, which is unexpected, in which the heavens will pass away and gr- with a great noise and elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the worlds that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all conduct and godliness, looking and hastening for the coming of the Lord? But I was thinking, some I've heard thunder that has scared the living daylights out of me. I was in Reno we just come over here, and, you know, we talk about thunder, but this was like an explosion of noise that terrified me. I've heard planes go over our house. I mean, military planes that have scared the living daylights. I mean, they're so loud. Everything's no. kind of shaking. No. That's nothing compared to the terror of the Lord when he comes, when the elements will melt in fervent heat with great noise. What a fearful thing. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to get the attention of the ungodly, all right? but mm. in, a, in a horrific way. Wow. And that should be a motive for us to reach out and warn every man, may present every man perfect. I was reading Tozer this morning. He said this, I've read that John Wesley was asked at one time how he would react if he knew that Christ was coming that very night. His instant reply was, I don't think I'd change any of my plans. <laughs> That's a challenge for all of us. Uh, yes. I mean, I thought about that today. What would I do? Yeah. Well, I, I think I'd carry on doing exactly what we're doing, uh, trying yeah. to reach the lost with every amount of energy I've got. Because we should be living yes. like he's returning today. Well, and, and on top of that, there is a, a misunderstanding in the sense that a lot of people take something like Second Peter 3 and they think, ah, he's, I have to be ready because he can come at any day. And that's true. But the any dayness is like this. It's it's like this. Okay, let me just do my thing, and I'm going to be surprised. But what the early church was doing is they were they were acting as though his second coming was near. Right. And the difference between any day and nearness, nearness is like how some people prepare to celebrate Christmas, or maybe Thanksgiving is a better example. You don't wake up one day and go, "Oh, what? It's Thanksgiving." Mm-hmm. No, you put out decorations. You invite people over. For us, we decide who's making the mashed potatoes, who's getting the turkey. You see, we prepare because Thanksgiving is near. We know it's coming. In that same way, a right understanding of the scriptures tells us that his second coming is near, like a holiday approaching. We should be uh, celebrating, preparing, organizing, living as though it is growing nearer and nearer and nearer. Wow. I'm going to share an illustration that's going to make you think of the second coming every single day, multiple times during the day. And it's a terrific. I read it this morning. Have you ever wondered why the right-hand door mirror on your car says objects are closer than they appear? <laughs> and then he likened it to the second oh, coming, wow. that it's closer than it appears. I like so that. every time you're going to look in your mirror on your way home tonight, you're going to have a thought, whoa, it's closer <laughs> than we first than when you first believed. Oh, wow. That's so good. Unless right. you drive a Tesla and now you do the blinker thing on it. I was, a friend of mine has one I was driving it the other day and it brings up 
It's like a camera. Now, yeah, it's a it? camera under under the mirror where you don't have to look at the mirror and there's no blind spot anymore. That is the mirrors are real scary. I mean, seriously, I'm never used to I look in the mirror, yeah, he's 20 feet away, and you gotta swerve over, he's like three <laughs> feet away, and you think, whoa, it's so true. And what do you want to read writing on your mirror for? That's a bit distracting, you know? <laughs> Why'd you crash? I was reading in my mirror. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ray, you mentioned that that the thunder in uh Reno. Mark, were you with us when we went to the church plant in Montana? With, uh, With Donnie. Donnie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, I don't know if you remember, the but Donnie we're, Lake? we're about to have who? Donnie Lake? No, no, no another Donnie. Oh. We were about to have Bible study. We we're at the houses when the church was being planted. And I was upstairs. I was kind of preparing. I think I was going to share. And all of a sudden, the the, the biggest explosion, the, the loudest sound I'd ever heard in my life. Right. I, I still to this day, I don't know how I got on my feet, but I was lying on the bed. Next thing I know, I was like, ah, what? I mean, it was like, it was excuse me this no that did not that's convince not scary me. at all that wasn't scary it sounded like a cat with its tail in the door <laughs> kaplowy no i mean it was i mean and so i think about that and i think about yeah you know the power of god it's like trying to compare a fire that sound was indescribable indescribable yeah that, i mean you, I, you i've feel never feel it you feel it because we're in cal we never get thunder like that in no. california i mean sometimes it's like, whatever texas yeah, but this was, and I just think of that compared, you know, the, to the power of God. It's like trying to compare a firecracker to a nuclear bomb. You know, it's just even that noise is nothing compared to to the outpouring of God's wrath. Yeah. You know, so yeah, uh, man. Here, here's here's something powerful. I think for us to remember, the Bible is replete with scripture about the second coming of Christ. I think I like more than three hundred references, like replete, replete. Every, yeah, I feel beautiful. like every episode you've got a unique word. I don't yeah. know if you do that on purpose or not, but Replete. every now and then there's a it word. It would that be on purpose. Out. I like he's, that word. He's a wordsmith. Anti disestablishmentarianism. Easy is a crazy wordsmith who is fanatical on being on time. If he's a <laughs> second of it being late, he'll just. He like, almost was this morning. No, no I was he not. No, he goes by atomic time. Yeah, atomic. Whatever, whatever I do. I have an atomic means. watch. No, wait, speaking it's of 222 that. and 222. Look, it's 222. I just looked. Never mind. No, wait, wait. I know what you're saying. Second Timothy two twenty two. Yes. All right. Here's the thing, guys. Listen to this. Uh, I more... wanted to start a club called Two 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 Club. The Two 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 Club. Oh yeah, that's right. Just the two of you? No, it was um, based on Second Timothy, First uh, Timothy two twenty two. The things you have learned and received of me, teach others also, which is what our ministry is about. We want to equip the saints. Easy just took a picture of his watch. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. All right. For, for the history books oh, or what? No. Listen to this, guys. On a Tuesday, by the way. Yeah. More than a fourth of the Bible is predicted prophecy, predictive <clears throat> prophecy. Approximately one third of it has yet to be fulfilled. Both the Old and New Testaments are full of promises about the return of Jesus Christ. Over 1,800 references appear in the Old Testament and seven... Teen Old Testament books give prominence to this theme. Excuse me, I read this quote and I thought, I'm not going to read it because you get confused after 15 minutes. No, this. not me, Ray Comfort. Of the 260 <laughs> chapters in the New Testament, there are more than 300 references to the Lord's return. One out of every 30 verses. 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to the great this great event. Three of the four other books are single chapter letters written to individuals <laughs> concerning a particular subject. And the fourth is Galatians, which does imply Christ coming again. For every prophecy of the first coming of Christ, Christ there are eight on Christ's second coming. Sounds like a... Um, Isn't that brilliant? Political percentages. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, that shows it. This is... This is 
It's a huge a recurring theme yeah. throughout scripture, and it's hugely important. But you know, I, I want us to camp out a little bit, guys. On okay. I'm not a big fan of camping. Sounds but good. Okay. No, well, I like camping's it. fun. Glamping. It's great in bear country. You're protected from a raging bear by a tent. <laughs> this, is a, this is definitely a squirrel moment, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Is he? I want to go back just a moment. You, you're always on time. But do you need to break the law in order to get to where you need to be? Do I need to break the law? Yeah, I'm just curious because I asked Noah, my son, who lives on the corner there. Yeah. I said, you know, you park your car and you cross the street to go inside your house. You ever have a, like a close call with anybody around in the corner? Because I've only had that one time. Who uh, do you think that was with? My my twin brother Sleazy. <laughs> <laughs> he said Easy came rounding around that corner so fast. Really? I jumped out of the way. No, I think I I, I, I may have no, I may have forgotten a turn or something. Mark, don't try to air my sins in front of the whole world. <laughs> Love covers a multitude of sins. Need a moment of repentance here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving moment, right along. We'll have a moment of silence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounds like there's, yeah. There's, By the way, those moments of silence is ridiculous. When I was a kid, it was a moment of prayer always. You really? bow for a moment of prayer. And it's it's more from a moment of prayer into a moment of silence. Did they really used to say that in New Zealand yes. of all places? Well, I'm not sure about New Zealand, but the US when we came over here, there was that. And then it's just morphed over the years in the yeah. ungodliness. Now we all have a moment of silence what's that about who are you uh, talking to ridiculous anyway friends before i was rudely interrupted distracted yeah mark i'm going to come with a whole list of your sins next time when we're on That's the program three podcasts. And plus there's no proof i don't believe noah oh, unless he has his a ring, ring doorbell, doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never mind uh, never mind okay uh, so but i i do want us to focus in a little bit on what ray read earlier from first peter and that is the the fact that um, Second Peter, sorry. Second Peter. The fact that wrong again. Um, <laughs> that you know, what manner of conduct should mark those that understand the significance of the return of Christ and everything associated with that? Like that—that's such a sobering thought yeah. when you think about the ramifications of that and what's going on. I mean, do Christians just not think about? I mean, I have to admit, I, there's times I'm not walking in consciousness of the return of Christ, but we should be. That that should sober us up. Wasn't Noah moved, not your Noah, wasn't Noah moved by fear, the scriptures say, when, when he built the ark? Yeah. And that was like he had that coming of the, the wrath of God upon all humanity that knew it was coming, a preacher of righteousness. We should walk in that fear always, not a cringing fear, but a knowledge of what's coming for the ungodly. I think another challenge to not only not think about it, but I think have a misunderstanding of it. There are many of us Christians who have, who have adopted what I believe to be a more Gnostic than Christian view of the second coming. And this is true uh, no matter what camp you find yourself in uh, in regards to your eschatology. What I mean by that is that people will often have the attitude towards the world around them as, well, what's the point? It's all going to burn up anyway. And they'll take a, and that's a, that's a Gnostic view because the Gnostics looked at the material world as evil and looked at the spiritual world as good. Uh, so I wouldn't say that's Gnostic, but that's a step towards Gnosticism. And yet 1 Corinthians 3 needs to be taken into account along with 2 Peter 3. And here's what 1 Corinthians 3 says. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what so, sort of work each one has done. 
If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And here's the point that I want to make is that the, the point is that it's not going to all burn up. The world is not going to be thrown away into a burning garbage can. Rather, uh, heaven started out on earth and God's plan is to bring heaven, the Garden of Eden, back to earth. In other words, instead of like a destruction, it's more like a renovation. God promises to restore and renovate heaven on earth. And what he's saying here is that like our work of evangelism, of being good stewards of the world around us, is kind of like God has moved us into his old home. And he's like, hey, I'm going to come back and restore all of it. I know it's creakety. I know it's breaking down right now, but I'm going to come back and restore all of it. A good steward would be like, okay, he's going to come back and fully restore it, but let me paint. Let me do some things. Let me prepare the way for restoration. A bad steward is like, oh, I'm just going to wait for this whole thing to fall apart. And then he's going to bring me a new one, right? So we should look at, as Christians, our responsibility to the world around us as God's coming back and he's going to restore. He, have, he has a restoration process that he's doing and I get to go before him and begin that process through good works. Wow, that's really, really good. Uh, Russell Moore said this. I love the paint, picture he paints here. He said, if one really wants to see a theology for the church in action, one might walk into an old church graveyard at night, walk about and see the headstones weathered and ground down by the elements. Contemplate the fact that beneath your feet are men and women who once had youthful skin and quick steps and hectic calendars, but who are now piles of forgotten bones. Think about the fact that the scattered teeth in the earth below you once sang hymns of hope. Maybe when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there, or when we all get to heaven. They are I hope silent. this gets bitter. <laughs> <laughs> they are silent now, but while you are there, you think about what every generation of Christians has ha held against the threat of sword and guillotine and chemical weaponry. The stillness will one day be interrupted by a shout from the eastern sky, a joyful call with a distinctly northern Galilean accent. And that's when life really gets interesting. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Very good. Yeah. It's, it's just amazing to think. The New Zealand accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to think that, man, that that day is coming mm -hmm. when, when the Lord is going to return. And and you think of the description that Scripture gives of that. Um, it, it's pretty heavy. Revelation 19, 11 right. through 16. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord mm -hmm. of Lords. Wow. Oh, man. I can hardly read that without getting emotional. Spurgeon hasn't been quoted today, so... I'll... Oh, Spurgeon. We've heard of him. Heard of him. I think Spurgeon nailed it when he said, apart from the second advent of our Lord, the world is more likely to sink into a pandemonium 
than rise to rise to a millennium. And he nailed it. Things have got worse and worse. It's not, you know, because there were people in his day that he cited that said things are going to get better and better and then it'll usher in the millennium, but we're not seeing it. We're seeing things, men, evil men become worse and worse. So as the darker it gets, the more we have to proclaim the light of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, there is, though, on the other hand, sometimes... Five fingers. Yeah, five fingers on the other hand. But Oscar, you know, you, you talk about that preparedness. That, that's important. And, and you, you know, you talked about the whole issue of, hey, we're not throwing it away because there are people that do have that perspective. Mark, I mean, you remember back in the day, we, we were dealing with people that were having that attitude of, right. hey, Jesus is coming back. Forget it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to go to school. I don't yep. need to, you know, get a career. I people selling their houses, people doing, you know. Bachelor to the rapture. Ah, uh, yes. No, no prep, no school, no work, no Bachelor serious job, no serious relationship. There's just no time for anything. Yeah, right? yeah uh, Paul warns there's apparently people in Thess- Thessalonica that were struggling with the same thing. Right. Thessalonians, he tells them, don't be idle. Like, stop doing nothing. They were stopped going to work. They stopped participating in the community around them. And, and uh, Paul calls them to repentance. Yeah. You know, Scripture speaks of mockers coming in the last day, saying, where is the promise of his coming? And then citing the fact that there's always been signs of his coming. Christians for 2,000 years being saying that Jesus will come back. But what they don't realize is what we realize the date of the Lord is as a thousand years to us. And so when God says, hang on a minute, he's talking thousands <laughs> of years, you know, or hundreds of years or whatever the proportion is. So we understand God's timing is different than ours. He's never in a hurry. And, you know, and he's the only one that knows the exact time. So, oh, no, please. No, no. no. What no, about me? Age Mark, wisdom. do you want to say anything while that? Go ahead. Uh, no, do you have any wisdom. chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was, I was going to call on Mark about something. So go ahead. No, I want, I want to hear what Mark has okay. to say. <laughs> so, Mark, I was going to ask you, for, for the those that are listening right now, so much is kind of rumbling in the world. There are a lot of different geopolitical things happening on the landscape. What would you say to a young believer who is maybe even in a church that is really heavy on the return of Christ? And aside from that, just the knowledge that, yeah, that the, the return of Christ is imminent. How how would you tell them to prepare themselves? What would you tell them to do? How, how ought they to live as a young person? You often ask people, what would you tell a, you know, 16-year-old Mark Spence, you know, or whatever? Well, I think we, we've heard that maxim, live as if Jesus died yesterday, rose again today, and is coming back tomorrow. Mm. Uh, but it, we lose fact and sight that we are to occupy until he comes. Yeah. Right, which really would mean to give yourself over to doing what people do. Get a get a job. Work hard. If you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. Which means, hey, listen, have a family. It's okay to have a family. Yeah, you know, because there are again, there are people that will forego that. Oh, Jesus, come back! I'm not going to get married. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And that is the mindset, and that is the kind of the, the our past or where we kind of came from. But to plan, to prepare. Um, I think that if we if we don't do those things, we're we're not really doing what God wants us to do, to be fruitful and to multiply. Yep. Mm. And I think that there's a, a level of repentance that needs to take place. Yeah. Right. I like what our buddy Owen Strand had said. Listen, I, I know that in the midst of all of these tumultuous times, I want to encourage you. You, you want to go to school, go to school, pick up that trade, uh, ask that girl out on that date, do those things, occupy. 
mm-hmm. until he comes mm-hmm. because we don't know when he's going to come. What if this world was in a complete disarray, World War III takes place, and it gets down to a single man and a woman? Be fruitful, multiply. Be fruitful, multiply. <laughs> get a job. You know, have kids. He did it before with, with two people. Yeah. He can do it again, right? And so I, I think that we, we look at the world and we get so worried and, and rambunctious. Turn yeah. off the news, open up the Word of God, and go share the gospel with people. Mm. If Christ would have came during my grandparents' generation, well, then you and I wouldn't be here. Right. And each generation thinks that they are the last generation. And there's nothing wrong with looking forward to the coming. We, we are commanded to do so. But if Christ were to answer our prayers about him coming, well, then our grandkids, our great-grandkids would never see Christ. And I was actually just thinking about this uh, this past Sunday in church as I was looking at, at all of the youth group in front of me as we were sitting there because I like to sit over in that group. And I was just thinking, wow, none of these people would have came, you know, if Spurgeon's prayer was answered. Hmm. You know, even so, come quickly, Lord mm-hmm. Jesus. But in his timing, he's he's going to come. But occupy. That's what I would say. Occupy. Yeah. There's this uh, poem in the Old Testament, and I'm trying to remember where it might be in Isaiah. And it basically paints this picture of the story where there's this small town, and like the walls are destroyed, the buildings have been burned down through war, and like you get the sense that the, like the the smoldering embers are still lit and they feel the defeat of this war but what they don't know is that their king that the war has actually been won and the king is victorious and so what it says is that like off onto the distance in the horizon they see a messenger a heralder and as the heralder gets closer someone is like yelling somebody's bringing news somebody's bringing news and as he comes to the burned down gates he says rejoice for uh, the kingdom has been won. And that is that is the disposition that we ought to have, is that even when it seems like there's just smoldering all around us, we have news that we're delivering to those small villages, which is to rejoice because mm-hmm. the Lord of Lord and the King of King has won the war. He rules and reigns over all creation and his kingdom is coming to restore and to renew. That should be our disposition. No matter what eschatological view that you have, that is universally true for all Christians. Wow, so good. Mm. And you know, we know in Second Peter 3, it talks about how that in the last days, mockers will come saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were, you know, since, since the beginning of creation. And, and, then, he, and then he goes on to say, but the Lord is not slack concerning mm. his promises, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And like you said, Mark, you know, we're eager for the Lord to return now, but man, others were eager before us, but thank you, Lord, that he didn't return, you know? And so God is sovereign and he knows and he's faithful, and we can rest in that regard. And, you know, there are some, though, that just never you know, never grasp that and and really understand the significance of that. But Ray, you know, the importance of being the salt and light that we are, because you remember the monastic movement, right? Everybody cloistering in monasteries and pulling away from the world over time, even in evangelicalism, communes were, were becoming really big. Yeah. But God calls us into vocation. I mean, how are we supposed to reach the world 
if we're not going out and pe- Christians are being lawyers and teachers yeah. and doctors and right, isn't that the idea? Absolutely, and and in that place of responsibility, that's where we share the gospel. That's where we we shine as lights among men. But being a Christian is like living beneath a great dam, and every sign of the coming of Christ is like a crack in the dam. Wow! And you know that wrath is coming. Yeah, I mean, terrible wrath is coming, and that's what. That's what drives me to uh, to share the gospel, just the thought, the fate of the ungodly. I think of my own fears, how I would feel if I was in my sins and that day came upon me as mm. a thief in the night and how terrifying it's going to be for them and they're just ordinary people like you and I. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you know the one thing that absolutely boggles my mind? This Easy, was, what's the one thing that bothers you? Uh, well, <laughs> there are the, my mind is replete Ooh, with things that boggle my mind. I uh, know, but just, you know, the fact that, and they used to do it a lot more back in the, you know, like the late 90s. That was a big, big time when they were doing this. But the prediction of the coming of the Lord. Oh, yeah. I mean, how much how much clearer Stupid. could Jesus make it? Matthew 24, 36, but concerning the day and hour, no one knows. Yeah. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Yeah. I mean, oh, I heard of a preacher that said, tonight I'm telling you the exact time of the coming of the Lord. And when people showed up, he said, it's such an hour as you think not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, I, and that is, again, something that's universally true amongst uh, all eschatological views is that this misunderstanding, like think about this, our hermeneutics, way of understanding our Bible should never take into account current events. We don't look at current events to understand Romans or Ephesians or first Timothy. And yet people will look to current events to try to understand Revelation. We should be looking at the Old Testament to try to understand Revelation. That is where we understand God's word is through God's word, not looking at like, oh, what's going on in the news today? That's what's going to tell me. That's going to inform me on what Revelation really means. And that's where that error comes into place is that at some point in time, it became popular to understand God's word through current events. Yeah. And then, but, you know, I mean, you have people setting like exact dates, 100%. you know, how many times that happened. And each time it's like, don't you learn from the 50 billion other people that did this? And, and don't the news wrong? media love it when they do that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Big, big moment. There's this great show. There's this episode of this show that we were watching one time, and it was pretty funny because someone had like some end times event and they like booked the park to celebrate. And then nothing happened. And so then like the end of the show, he's like meeting with the parks coordinator. And he's like, yes, uh, the end time is now going to be Saturday, March 25th. So we'd like to book the park. And she goes, sorry, (laughs) uh, the park's actually already booked on the 25th. And he goes, oh, you know what? Actually, let's make it the 30th. I think the end times is coming on the 30th. He just changes it. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, and they'll do that again. What's crazy is that there are those who have set dates. They get it wrong. Then they set more dates. Yeah. I mean, think of even Jehovah's Witnesses, right? How many times they predicted Armageddon. It's like, yeah, enough already. Armageddon out of here. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's just important to keep in mind, it's a common phrase that's used amongst theologians, which is, uh, the scriptures cannot mean to us what it did not mean to them. Mm. So when people try to look at Revelation and say something like, oh, that verse right there, for example, means Apache helicopters. How could that be possible? How would that have benefited the Christians 2,000 years ago if John was writing about Apache helicopters? So the point is, is that the scriptures have to first have meaning 
to the people who they was originally written to before it has meaning to us. And we have to view it through that. Yeah, right. I love this verse in Acts as we wrap up 1, 10 to 11. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. Amen. What a moving scene that would have been. You know, they're watching Christ descend and he says, hey, why are you gazing up? He's coming back. Have you ever thought about really what he was actually saying in that? Mm. We look at the disciples' reaction. They were staring up and they said, why are you gazing up to heaven? And I think it's because Jesus didn't go up like an elevator. He left as he's coming with power and clouds and great glory. And so that changes the ascension from beam me up, Scotty, to something magnificent and glorious the disciples saw. Yeah. What does Scotty have to do with it? Hmm? Yeah, well, Scotty beams us up. He makes us a reality. I was trying to find out if there's any other sort of helicopters because it might not just be Apache helicopters, (laughs) but I couldn't pull it up. Yeah, and here's here's a great verse to end on, 1 Thessalonians 5. 23. Now, so the end is coming? Yes, the end is nigh. I feel the sign. I have a date. I have a date. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful Amen. benediction that is from the Word. That is good. Friends, we hope that you will walk in sobriety, that you would recognize the return of Christ is imminent. And as we've heard, we are called to occupy. We are called to be salt and light. We're not called to just be lazy, be on fire for the Lord. We laud people in every area of life where they exert themselves and they're zealous, whether it's exercise or dieting or it's their career or school or sports or whatever. And yet when people say they they want to be zealous for the Lord or are on fire for the Lord or talk about spiritual things they do, we kind of downplay that and think, oh, well, you're getting a little too radical there. Or, you know, you're getting legalistic. How ridiculous. We, he, he called us to be a people who are zealous for good works. And so may we do that. And uh, make sure to check out Ray Comfort's new book. Do you remember the title now, Ray, as you try to open chocolate under the table and try to sound discreet <laughs> like you're not doing it? We hear it, Ray. We see you, Ray. Ray what's has the name a, of your book? Wait, what's the name of your book, Ray? The Evidence Bible. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> How to Train Your Memory. Yeah. Counting the days. My wife's looking at me into the Counting studio. Counting the days. How wonderful. Squirrel. Counting the days, friends. Check it out uh, at uh, livingwaters.com. You'll love it. Counting make the sure days. to write to us at podcast.livingwaters.com and make sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with others, and give us a rating. Thank you for joining us today on the Living Waters Podcast. Can I pay you to not say it like that? No. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, 
you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.